0: Hey guys, welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club and podcast. Today is our last day here in Lexington, Kentucky. Let me tell you, the bourbon does not overshadow the brews in Lexington. Today I spoke with Brandon Flone, the head brewer and co-founder at Ethereal Brewing. We drank their Tropical Goza, and fun fact, this is the only beer I've ever finished completely during my interview. It was so delicious. Stay tuned to find out more about this beer and hear my interview with Brandon. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled podcast in Beer Club. I'm your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. We are back in Lexington, Kentucky this week. It's our last week here. I can't believe it. We are going to be going to a new top secret undiscovered craft beer city next month, and I'll have a new co-host in September. And I have my fantastic co-host here with me, who I have been having the absolute pleasure of being with all month long. And I'm super sad to say goodbye to Ethan. You want to say a quick hello?
1: hey everybody it's so good to be back here for our last week in lexington i have so enjoyed hanging out with all of you and especially you molly ever since you you know left brooklyn i was like oh i'm not gonna get to see her and then what once a week i get to have a beer with you how lucky can a guy get right so uh so i'm delighted to get to be spending uh my wednesday evening having a beverage with everyone tonight uh we have got of course a delicious beer from ethereal brewing uh, a tropical goza i'm so excited molly I don't know about you. We got these other fun inclusions. Thanks for presents every week. Uh, the This beautiful ethereal sticker, uh, as well as our brewery passport. How cool is that, right? I love these passports. I don't know, Molly, have you ever done one of these passports before?
0: I have, and I have a couple stamps on mine from my Lexington one, as well as my Cincinnati one, because that was our first city in -hmm. the month of June. So yeah, it's hard to refill them and get it complete if you don't live there. But usually, if you get it filled up, you can send it to like the Craft Brewers Guild, and they'll mail you something fun, like a beer glass Mm -hmm. or like a T-shirt or something. So it's just it's like a fun excuse to go brewery hopping. But yeah, I like it. I like little sort of like scavenger hunt type things. So I find them. be Mm.
1: very fun oh yeah i in fact a bunch of my uh beer drinking buds uh in new york and i used to do a new york city passport every summer we would do it and it was so much fun so clearly i'm saving this for my trip to come visit you in lexington
0: even how's your week been
1: Oh, I mean, it's been really nice. Um, You know, uh, this past week was my birthday. I got my birthday uh, in a storm because I don't know if you know, but we had a little not hurricane hurricane situation that decided to just boom. Breeze by New York, so uh, so I had a nice rainy birthday, which was fun. But but that's okay. I I honestly, there's something really lovely about drinking. I saved myself a couple fancy beers for my birthday, of course. And uh, so I sat in the listening to the rain. I opened up my windows. You could hear like feeling the the rain dropping. And I had some beers, and I you know called and texted with friends, and it was just kind of a lovely, chill, relaxing day. So
0: oh my god happy belated birthday thank you no you didn't tell me i know i keep it
1: i usually try to keep it quiet but uh but hey here's the thing we can we can toast to uh to another year uh tonight with with our beautiful goza
0: um, but I know what you mean. Awesome. Like kind of like sometimes it's fun with a birthday to just keep it low key and not yeah. fuss out of it. Yeah, I, I'm either one or the other. I either am like I get a birthday month. It's like every day of the month it is my birthday, or I'm the same way and I kind of just don't want to do much. But yeah, you guys, the hurricane kind of was supposed to hit New York, but didn't. Thank, it didn't. thank goodness.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, well, um, and Molly, how how are you doing? A little little further south from me. I'm doing good. I got a nice tan
0: going right now. I, I have become an extreme sportist. I'm a kayaker, but by uh-huh. kayaking, I mean. I float with a beer and paddle sometimes. So it has become my new hobby.
1: See, that's the way to go. Like this whole like beer on a canoe floating situation. I saw some some pictures of people doing that. I think I might even seen some posts from you on Instagram. And I was like, oh, why am I not there? Cause that looks like glory
0: so fun. Yeah. I signed up this uh, place in Chattanooga where I live. They have a great yearly membership and it's actually super affordable. So I just got the yearly membership and I'm trying to do it twice a week and it's nice exercise and yeah, you can bring a beer out there and, you know, just kind of paddle hard and get out and then float a little bit. And I have loved kayaking for years. So it's, I'm happy that it's in a place now where I can just walk to it. It's super close to where I live. So yeah, super great week Kayaked twice. And now I'm, here with all these awesome people
1: tuning in well um we have got a great guest tonight Brandon flown a co-founder and head brewer of ethereal brewing and we are getting ready to drink the tropical Goza I love a Goza so I I have been super excited about this one Molly I think you're team Goza as well right (laughs) I am definitely team Goza
0: I'm team any German beer
1: style well, yes. In fact, we learned last week that uh, the Hazy Lady, our beer Beervenger name here, uh, you may have had a change of heart. I hear you may have renamed yourself.
0: I'm renamed. I am now the Dunkle Dame from our last beer that we had last week from from uh, Blue Stallion. I loved that Dunkle. And so, yeah, my, my beer Beervenger name has changed. Maybe oh. now will be the Goza Gal, who knows?
1: Here we go, yes. It's a beautiful color already. Oh, it's so gorgeous got a nice oh, little sort of haze to it Mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yes it is a little hazier, i guess that i might be used to fargoza but i that nothing wrong with that not at uh, all it smells delicious well
0: you can smell the salt just to touch Mm-hmm. oh man cheers guys
1: right. ah cheers mm. oh she's real good
0: oh yeah oh, it oh. is a tropical explosion Mm.
1: yes oh it's so good yeah you get those like those sort of like almost mango-y flavors in there in a way that's just really exciting you know
0: it definitely has mango that's that's like what i get first ethan yeah right
1: oh yeah it's this beautiful tropical explosion and
0: i mean i yeah this one's kind of like a chugger like it's like you could you could drink this quicker than you intend to you know what i mean it's one of those beers goes Mm -hmm. down nice and smooth i am really into this one i'm kind of of fascinated yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so guys a little bit more about this beer ethereal originally brewed this beer as their first collaboration with blue stallion who we featured last week in Mm -hmm. a version that they used dragon fruit in to give it this vibrant pink color but apparently dragon fruit tastes pretty awful so they dropped it for future iterations and this goes at clocks in at 4.5 percent abv and it's a 50 50 blend of malted wheat and pale ale they ferment it on a few hundred pounds of passion fruit puree so that is what we're tasting and all i would really say this makes for a super refreshing summertime crusher i think i mean it's super crushable
1: oh yeah this this is absolutely the kind of thing that is just going to go down way too easy um with that nice like beautiful uh tropical feel after this guy i just like i want to be on a beach
0: i do too i know yeah. I, I want to have just like someone fanning me with this and <laughs> i want a whole situation with this beer but i like this one particularly because it's got a little more body to it mm-hmm. yeah. more goes and the salt that little bit of salinity really rounds the flavor profile
1: out to me yeah. I often find when I give, when I'm trying to introduce people to something that is a little bit more of that like puckery sour feel that goes, are sort of a nice introduction to it because that salt kind of gives you an interesting sensation on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite, especially for people who really say they don't like beer uh, and who, but who like, you know, if they like a tart candy, this will be a good introduction for them, when I, and I, them. And I would love this one, especially with its fruit flavors to, to also help bring maybe new beer drinkers in where clearly we, you know, we well-versed beer drinkers know what's up and know that the goods are already there.
0: I agree. It's very approachable because it's not too sour. A Goza is a great kind of like entry into not only beer, but to Mm. sour beers Mm -hmm. because I am just starting to get into sour beers. Mm. This is my summer of sour. I would say I never really drank sour beers and I've been all about the Goza. And so for me, it has
1: kind of been my gateway beer. Well, Molly, Goza's are such a unique one because I feel yeah. like they've got a lot going on there. Can what, what can you tell us about Goza's?
0: Yeah. So just a little bit more about this beer style that we're drinking tonight. So a Goza is warm fermented and mm. it originated in Gozlar, Germany, which is where its name derives. It is usually brewed with at least 50% of the grain bill being malted wheat. Dominant flavors in a Goza include lemon sourness, an herbal characteristic sometimes, or a strong Saltiness, as a result of mm. either the local water source or added salt. So, Goza beers typically do not have a predominant hot bitterness flavor or aroma, and the beers are usually a moderate, kind of lower alcohol, usually around four to five percent ABV
1: okay yeah that's that crushability you are talking about right it just kind of goes down uh, nice and easy um well you know you said it's german and you know reinheitsgebot is probably one of my favorite words to say but also some of my favorite you know beers to drink with that sort of traditional style and this being a historic german style because of the coriander and the salt it does not comply with the reinheitsgebot or the german beer purity sort of recommendations that that went along historically but it is allowed in on an exemption because it was considered a regional specialty. kind of was around before all these rules showed up. And it gets that lovely sourness through an inoculation with our dear friend, Lactobacillus, one of our favorite bacterias. Um, And it is sort of that same style, at least for me, or I guess same family of sour wheat beers that were once found all across Northern Germany and the Low Countries. Things like the The Belgian Wit beer uh, or the Berliner Weiss, also a favorite of mine. But
0: it's fun, you know, to watch our flavor profiles develop, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really
1: like that. What's your take on wild fermentation? Like things that are just kind of give you that barnyardy funk feel, Molly? Or is that, I know it's a year of summers or sours, but how are you getting on those?
0: I love it. I love funk. I'm not the biggest Saison drinker. And I know those use kind of like a different sort of funky yeast in it, but I love a wild fermented sour. I know we have strange roots on from our Pittsburgh season, and they really got me motivated and passionate about wild spontaneous fermentation. I Mm -hmm. love the funk that you can get from certain sours and that, um, you know, Britannomyces yeast strain and what that would do and different, different ways of fermenting it, whether they do kettle fermentation or wild fermentation, there's a lot of ways to do it. Sour beers are really kind of their own beast. It's super cool. And while you guys kind of take a little chill, I'm going to give you some fun facts about Lexington. I hope you all feel confident about your Lexington knowledge So Buffalo Trace Distillery, through the help of Colonel Albert B. Blanton, Blanton being the Blanton uh, bourbon, was one of four distilleries to obtain a special government license to produce medicinal whiskey during prohibition. You can actually I know that's kind of hilarious and you can actually check out an original prescription at Buffalo Trace and Blanton is honored today with a Blanton single barrel bourbon at the distillery which I think is kind of cool and I'm a big fan of Blanton's bourbon. Uh, Anyone who drinks that bourbon, the bottles are really cool. They have these little jockeys. It's a little horse with a jockey on it. And it's a big collector's item. A guy I used to date, he was avid about collecting all of them. So that's kind of fun. I like when companies do fun things like that. Speaking of alcohol being used as a prescription, beer used to be used as a prescription in ancient Egypt. So that's kind of cool. So obviously, oh, wow. I think beer is very medicinal because I feel amazing after I have a beer.
1: But uh, my favorite, another one of my favorites, I am a huge library person. I have always been my whole life. I love a beautiful library. And it turns out the Lexington Public Library is home to the world's largest ceiling clock. It's a five-story pendulum clock, and the pendulum depicts the history of the horse in the bluegrass and was designed by Lexington artist Adeline Wickman, who I looked up a little bit today and is spectacular. I, I love a library with a beautiful ceiling. That's one of my favorite things, Molly. I don't know if you've got like a love of these like massive soaring columns and things like that.
0: I do. That makes me think of Grand Central Station in (laughs) New York. And that's amazing. The clock was five stories. It's insane, right? massive. Hey guys, let me let you in on a little bit of the live stream action. Our chat was blowing up about fruited sours,
1: which led Ethan to ask me this question. How do you feel about fruit in your sours, Molly?
0: You know, it was never something I typically was into, but I've gotten more into it, especially reading more about a Berliner Weiss mm. and how that's such a tradition in Germany. They give you no. like a little a little fruit. Juice concentrate kind of to Mm. add into it. And you can usually pick your fruit juice to customize it. And that fruit juice sweetness cuts that acidity. And frankly, I feel like this beer is a little bit of an ode almost to that style, too. I mean, it definitely is a goza, but it is so nice and fruit forward. And that fruit rounds out the flavor and cuts the acidity. I'm like almost done with this beer already. I I know it's so
1: good. It's going down way too fast. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying it too at home, but yeah, I, I I will say I've I have not met too many people who are anti fruit in their beers. I met one or two. I know a couple people who really have strong feelings about it. But um, one of my uh, favorite breweries here in in Brooklyn, the brewer made a blue blue Berliner Weiss, which was a blueberry Berliner Weiss, which I know is not officially a thing, but oh, uh, it was named after his dog. But it was so good. But yes, if you're looking for great sours in New York, Dan definitely Grim has got some excellent. Wine. I had a very lovely evening there with some friends where I tried all of them and I remember about half of that evening so apparently I did it right right Molly
0: I want to be you when I grow up I love that yeah I one of my favorite flavors it was speaking of fruit and a beer Mm -hmm. I would say is blood orange I had a really good blood orange pilsner actually at blue stallion when I was in Kentucky and it was so so good Let's take a beer break. So in the spirit of continuing to talk about sour beer styles today, let's go a little more in depth to a Berliner Weiss. This is a very pale, refreshing, low alcohol German wheat beer with a clean lactic sourness and a very high carbonation level. A little bread dough malt flavor supports the sourness, which shouldn't seem artificial. Any Britannomyces funk is restrained. Many examples of this style contain no bitterness at all. One reason for the tradition of adding fruit that Ethan brought up was to work within the confines of Reinheitsgebot. Remember the German purity law that said you could only brew with hops, barley, and water, but the law said nothing about adding fruit after the brewing process. By the late 19th century, Berliner Weiss was the most popular alcoholic drink in Berlin with up to 50 breweries producing it. During its heyday, the Berliner Weiss was served in a three liter glass tub requiring the drinker to actually need assistance to help lift and control the glass. I don't know about you. I don't need any assistance drinking my Berliner Weiss. Let's get back to the episode. But uh, guys, While you kick back and relax, let's learn a touch more about ethereal brewing. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. So Ethereal is located in the distillery district of Lexington. As you remember from some previous episodes, we had Fusion that was also in that same super fun area, the distillery district. So their offerings will really be kind of quite broad, but their main focus is on brewing really delicious Belgian farmhouse and American craft beers. So they love these styles because they're by no means limiting on any sort of creative level as we know about anything belgian and anything farmhouse and they're (laughs) just yeah and they are just darn tasty so they have the staple beers that you would expect their first three beers were an ipa a saison and a wit but they're planning on going way above and beyond with a more aggressive one-off program with really no limitations on what they brew it's super exciting
1: that's so cool. I love when folks do that. And the thing is, it's such they're so passionate about good beer, and that's why the whole philosophy at Ethereal is centered on making the best possible beer they can, sparing no expense on ingredients or on the process. Again, a well-made beer, uh, and that's why they're so confident in exploring this funkier side of farmhouse brewing with a really dedicated sour program. And you know, it, it, the time is right for more Kentuckians to get into craft beer and continually searching for a little bit something that's a little bit different from the norm and so it's just awesome that that they're so confident in the work that they're doing that they're going to be exploratory i just think that that's spectacular well we've got their co-founder and head brewer so you know let's ask all the questions we want right
0: absolutely without further ado let's welcome on our guest this evening brandon Flone, co-founder and head brewer at ethereal brandon how are you hey Happy to have you, Brandon. So we always love to start off by asking our guests their craft beer origin story. Can you tell us yours?
2: Uh, Yeah, it's pretty typical for a lot of uh, craft brewers in Kentucky, pretty big homebrew movement. Um, And so that's where I started in college, just uh, did a lot of homebrewing, met up with a friend from high school and at a party. He had homebrew too, and we were just like, oh, hey let's uh, let's brew together some time. And so after doing that, we kind of discovered that this was, uh, we had a lot more passion for this than the degrees that we were pursuing at uh, University of Kentucky. So we just kind of took steps to start our own brewery from there. So we just, uh, we brewed pretty much every weekend, uh, found investors, and then eventually opened up Ethereal in uh, 2014.
0: Yeah, so is there anything more you want to elaborate on how Ethereal started? Um, yeah, really,
2: <clears throat> we were uh, very much about uh experimentation when we started um and quality and so one of our first employees was a quality assurance person they were a microbiologist and they basically helped us bank a whole bunch of yeast and bring in a whole bunch of different uh fun bugs and uh wild yeasts that weren't really available commercially brewed up quite a few beers just starting out with just fun unique combinations that nobody else had really done before
0: cool so When you and I spoke, you mentioned you were opening a sake brewery. This seems like it's a trend in Lexington because three out of the four guests have mentioned sake this month. Can you tell us a little bit about how fermenting sake is different from fermenting beer? And sake is actually considered beer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Federally, they consider it beer because it's made from rice, which is a cereal grain. Um, Statewide, we're just a a winery ourselves. But yeah, it's it's quite different than making beer. It's a lot more hands on. It's a lot more time intensive. Um, Generally, it takes about 40 to 45 days for us to go from uh, the beginning to the end of that process. When compared to beer, you know, an IPA takes me 10 to 14 days generally. And it's it's a labor of love. Certainly.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it kind of all is. And, you know, speaking of the different ways to ferment beer, what is it about Belgian farmhouse ales that kind of got you guys so excited to open a brewery?
2: Yeah, I mean, when we we're starting out, there wasn't really too much representation of Belgian beers in central Kentucky. We had a a bit, but they were all really old and usually pretty oxidized because they made their journey through a boat, you know, from a boat across the Atlantic. Um, So, you know, we tasted some of the more fresh examples of it. It was just kind of night and day difference. And we really just uh, were inspired by just how dry and how expressive and, and fruit forward Belgian beers can be. And they're just exceptionally drinkable. And, you know, we strive to do that with all the beers that we make these days. They're all pretty dry in general, just so that, you know, you can have three or four and not get too full or too, uh, come off too sweet or
0: anything like that. How do you make the beer really dry?
2: Uh, generally it's more so in the, the hot side mashing process. So there are enzymes that, uh, depending on the temperatures that you mash your grains at will activate And we generally mash lower, which you get beta amylase activity, mostly that. And that really breaks down the the long chain sugars into very small, very fermentable sugars. And so doing things like that, and as well as uh, for some of the Belgian styles, we'll add some candy sugars or some simple sugars to help really just dry those things out.
0: Super cool. I love that. And I'm curious, what are some of your favorite hop additions for this style of beer?
2: For just uh, Belgian styles of beer or...
0: Yeah, well, for a farmhouse-style ale in particular?
2: Uh, generally, you know, uh, most farmhouse-style beers are very more so yeast expressive. So the hops for me are kind of on the back end. I'll definitely do a good bittering charge so that, you know, it complements the dryness, doesn't just accentuates the drinkability. Uh, but then definitely, you know, usually in the Whirlpool, which is after the flames has been cut off, uh, I'll throw in some some aroma hops to help kind of just uh, blend and melt together with the, the yeast characteristics that we use.
0: Cool. So do you guys use open vessel fermentation?
2: No, we have not uh, done that. Uh, where we're located is actually right next to a rock quarry. So the distillery hmm. district has a big, there's a big hill and a bunch of trees, but on the other side of that is a big rock quarry where quite a bit of dust comes off. And we are in a building that was constructed in like 1920 uh, ish something. So right before prohibition. And so it's pretty oh, right. old. There's a lot of cracks. Dust definitely gets into the building quite a bit. So open fermentation would just kind of not go too well, probably.
0: Absolutely. And do lower mash temperatures, create higher ABVs because of more fermentable sugars.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, they can. Um, so more fermentable sugars would lead to more alcohol production.
1: That tracks. Well, speaking of uh, alcohol production, which brings us to our friends yeast, um, you talked a little bit about yeast expression. Talk to us a little bit about how important it is when we're dealing with yeast in farmhouse style ales. Any thoughts or tips you've got on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think yeasts are the star of the show. Uh, Generally, Mm -hmm. you go with a really simple grain bill, usually pilsner and maybe some sort of uh, wheat or rye or spelt or some sort of protein malt. But uh, generally, it's all about the yeast. And so really your selection, choose you know, you can definitely make it dry, but your yeast selection is really going to push those esters and what kind of uh, aroma, you know, the fruitiness, the spiciness that you get out of it.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it is absolutely a showcase for the yeast to a certain degree. Do you have yeast that you prefer? Have you done any, have you cultivated your own, like any, any particular way that you tend to think about going after yeast selection?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we have our, a few standards that we used yep. as home brewers that we really loved and we've, mm. you know, gone with those, you know, for yep. a lot of ours, we'll do a lot of blends. Okay. Um. But yeah, we've, we've cultivated some yeast. We found a a really dry, very clean yeast doesn't really have too much characteristic, but we got that out of wild capture. We sent it in to get processed by, uh, uh to get like the genome, uh, logged and it came back as like 97% is, you know, uh, close to a wild, uh, Saison strain from North Carolina. So it's pretty cool oh, how to cool. see that. Yeah. Kind of, you know, we're not too far from North Carolina, but whatever, you know, it was definitely part of the family.
1: That's very cool. Oh, I, I love it when folks are, are doing that kind of cultivation work. Now, um, you know, we've we've sort of been praising sours all night. Um, you guys have a dedicated sour program. Talk to us a little bit about how that came to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the origins where we really like yeah. Belgian styles and really liked uh, different yeasts. And so uh, we've always had a mixed culture fermentation program. We've noticed in general Uh, you know, last few years or so that that kind of style seems to be a little less popular in Lexington. Mm -hmm. We still do it because we're very passionate about this this kind, but definitely the fruited sours like the one you're drinking right now are uh, sell a lot more than any kind of thing that takes months and months and um, has a lot more complexity. But we we enjoy brewing both of them.
1: Do you see uh like a potential for i mean I, we've we've often heard that you know sours are coming back. they're gonna be the big thing. Do you think that that's true? I mean, do you have hopes for that 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 we're gonna see sours as the new hip beer going out there?
2: I mean for i mean I honestly feel like it's already kind of there uh, in Lexington, okay. right next to our IPAs, our sours are probably our second best seller.
1: That's really awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I feel like we've got a lot of sour fans here and it's nice to hear that they're represented. Um, So you guys are located in the super cool distiller district where you've heard about so many great bars and breweries and all sorts of great things. It sounds like the place to be. Um, Do you feel like the competition helps or hurts business for you guys?
2: Uh, It only helps. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. kind of off the beaten path, a little bit outside of downtown and just to have more businesses for people to come visit. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a decent sized area. You can easily walk to every business. So having more in that area just really just brings more people down and they'll try it all.
1: That's great. I mean, I think having something within walking distance or stumbling distance is usually winds up being uh, works out pretty well for people who want to try a lot of craft uh, craft brews.
0: Yeah, it's such a cool little area. I really enjoyed my visit there. I'm actually coming to Lexington this weekend, Brandon, for the Railbird Fest. I think I mentioned that when we met earlier this week. But I would love to stop by the distillery district just because it's so, so fun. It's very laid back, but there's also a lot of action. So it's got this nice sort of duality to it. You can do a ton in that area, but also really keep it chill and sort of relaxed. And I definitely want to stop by and grab another one these tropical gozas because it is so I mean this I think this is the fastest I've ever finished a beer on the live screen I'm not even kidding it's flying it really is yeah is I'm sucking it down and you know Lexington is just such a fun city Brandon I'm curious what is your ideal day off in Lexington
2: well between two businesses I don't have too many days off so I generally (laughs) will uh snag the pup and just kind of bar hop you know sometimes you know there's, there's like seven breweries that are around Lexington. They're all within about a mile, mile and a half. So it's really easy to just kind of plop yourself at one and then walk to the next one.
0: Nice. Cool. Well, as we wrap up here, it is time for our rapid fire questions. Brandon, your job is to not think, just answer. Are you ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Can art, fun or distraction?
1: It's fun. All right. Is there a beer that you love to hate? Super,
2: super fruited sours that don't really taste like beer; they just taste like fruit skins. Yeah, try those.
1: So, so you can't have too much of a good thing, is what I've gathered. Yeah, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: For me.
0: All right. Fair enough. What do you think the next beer craze will be? Uh, I think
2: it's
1: going to be pilsners. I think lagers are coming back for sure. Oh yeah, right. I'm living the, I'm totally into the lager life right now. No question. Absolutely. Um, when it's not beer, what are you drinking? I think I know the answer to this one.
0: Yeah, it's probably sake.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. And when it's not sake, what are you drinking?
2: Um, I'm recently been getting into cocktails. Uh Ooh. I listen to cocktail podcasts in the back as I'm working, just because it's neat to listen to just different flavor combinations and be you know inspired by other cocktails and see if i can maybe do something fun like that with beer
1: nice what what cocktails are you drinking any anyone that's been
2: uh always a manhattan at this house cheers
0: that is my favorite cocktail a manhattan or a margarita or i like a boulevardier which is like a negroni but with bourbon instead of gin yeah i'm a big bourbon person do you drink your sake hot or cold
2: Uh, Generally cold. Uh, You know, in the wintertime, you know, I'll I'll definitely warm it up a bit, but almost always chilled. You know, if if you want it to taste, you know, if you want it warmer, you can just kind of let it warm up yourself.
0: So I'm curious, stouts all year round or only in the winter? All year round. You are speaking my language. (laughs) But Brandon, it has been a pleasure having you. Is there anything that you want to plug
2: Um, Yeah, I'd say come to Ethereal Brewing. Check out the Distillery District. If you're ever in Lexington, it really is a fun town. It's like a little big city. There's a lot of stuff to do. It's really pretty. We have a really robust uh, alcohol tourism scene. So between the breweries, distilleries, now we have a sake brewery. We have a couple uh, really good cideries. Um, It's just a great, great place to spend a weekend.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Ethan. You have been the best co-host for the entire month of August with me. I'm so grateful for you. You guys, be sure to tune in next week as we launch our new undiscovered craft beer city. I'm going to give you a hint on what our next city is going to be. It is known as the streaking capital due to the numerous streaking events that occurred there in the 70s. Oh, my. (laughs) Cheers, guys. This was so much fun. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Bruiseless Traveled Beer Club. And this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep, plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Bruiseless Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.